Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is expressing sympathy. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, first of all, welcome back. Welcome back to you as well. We both took time off. We did. I did lots of snowshoeing and hiking. Woohoo! Yay, nature. I did lots of resting and learning about my head and my brain chemistry. That's exciting. Fascinating times. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Beyond that, this topic is definitely not a fluff topic. Not in a pandemic and certainly not for me at this current time because my mom's twin brother has recently passed away and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this idea of expressing sympathy within my own family. And I know there aren't technically rules, but in this society feels like there are rules about you have to have a card out in so many weeks and you have to possibly give flowers and do you go to the funeral and what if you don't go to the funeral and should you donate to this and what if I don't get it done? What if I do it in the wrong or all those terrible, terrible feelings that we have about trying to express very simple, heartfelt sympathy. Mm-hmm. Please help us navigate these issues. Well, first and foremost sincere condolences on your loss and an honoring of the grief that you're carrying. Because I think one of the pieces that when this comes up, a thing to honor is that you're carrying grief. And that's part of what makes expressing sympathy a challenging piece of the puzzle. Because when you want to send a card to someone, when you want to send and find a way to express feelings around these kinds of losses, when you are recognizing a death, when you're recognizing a loss, you also are experiencing feelings yourself. Mm -hmm. Moments of great grief, moments of loss, experiencing memories and wondering about where you fit within this journey. And in every single family system, in every single culture, the answers to all of those questions that you have just asked are going to be different. Okay. And so the first thing to say to someone asking a question like that, condolences. And take a moment and breathe. And then start trying to find out what kind of ways you can find your way through that family system in the least damaging and least painful way possible. Understanding that emotions are running high, feelings are running high, and dynamics will be hard. Does that make some sense? It makes some sense. What's spinning through my head is, who am I most concerned about? Is it my mother, myself, my uncle's family directly? I think we're all more worried about any potential harm we do to make the situation worse for those who are, quote unquote, more involved than we are that we get stuck? That's a great question. So one of the pieces that has been talked about in the past is circles of care. Think about it as a target with a bullseye and then concentric rings spreading out from it. Mm -hmm. And in the center of it is the critical event that has occurred, the individual of the loss. And then the next circle out 
are the individuals the most impacted. So say a spouse, Mm -hmm. and then the next ring out would be children of the individual. And then the next ring out might be siblings and the Mm -hmm. next ring out might be cousins, right? And you can kind of tell from there, like friends, and then the circles just kind of keep going outward from there. And you always want to be doing caring in. So from the outside circles, you always want to be putting caring in and dumping out. Okay. So any of your feelings, any of the stuff that is hard for you, you want to go out a circle to someone who is less close to the individual than you were. Instead of dumping on somebody, a circle below me or inside. Exactly. Closer to the direct event, right? So for example, let's take it out of this direct situation. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, that you're talking about someone who has lost their dog, okay? Mm -hmm. And you are their best friend. So you are a circle out from the person who has lost their dog. Mm -hmm. Then I am not going to talk about the loss of my dog to that person because the immediate loss is their dog. But I have lost my dog, so I'm going to go talk to someone who doesn't know that person about losing my dog. Okay. Right? I'm going to share some of my loss with somebody else. But I'm going to not put it on the person who is also experiencing a loss of their dog. Right? Uh So it's that how do you keep from sharing too much on Mm -hmm. the people on the inside of the circle? So comfort in, grief out. So, who are you trying to take care of the most? You are trying to take care of the people closer in than you to the grief. Your responsibility, your opportunity is to show your sympathy, show your caring, show your nurture towards those closer than you are in the circle in this moment of grief. To your cousins, who may have been his children, Mm -hmm. to your mother as his twin, right? To those closer into the circle than you. And you get to receive comfort from those farther out from the circle, your spouse, Mm -hmm. from those who are farther removed. You get to receive the comfort from them. And in this way... A whole system can take care of one another. Now, having said this, different cultures function in different ways. Mm -hmm. And different systems function in different ways. But in general, you get to prioritize in different settings. Now, I say this and we all know that, you know, there might be an Aunt Gertrude somewhere who takes everybody's attention and really needs everybody's attention. Mm -hmm. Or... Whatever it is, it really depends upon family dynamic as to how you find a way as a family to find your way through it. But typically, you find the person who is going to need the most focus. If it's the widow, it's the widow. If it's the twin, it's the twin. And you find that person the closest to the epicenter and give them the support they need. Now that I'm aging closer to the people who are dealing with the fallout of things like people passing, Mm -hmm. 
I'm becoming far more aware of a lot of things that go on that as a kid, you just don't even think about. You don't mm -hmm. think about any money that comes in sympathy cards. You don't think about all the hoops you have to jump through legally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is changing how I deal with expressing my sympathy in ways of very simply flowers. Mm -hmm. Flowers are not something I would necessarily give to a funeral, even though it is sort of a typical, obvious thing that people do, because I see then what has to happen with the flowers once the funeral's over. <laughs> and it can be a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've come to the conclusion that I don't want to make more work for somebody who's going through grief and going through all the legal issues and a lot of this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you can think of that we would typically think is a nice gesture, but is actually harder for that person? I think it's really helpful to know someone's food allergies before you drop off a whole lot of food at someone's house. That makes sense. Because when my father-in-law died, it was really, really wonderful, especially with the family that was gathered, to have meals so nobody had to worry about preparing something. But at mm -hmm. the same time, especially with the younger generation, there were a lot of food issues. And if someone is diabetic... Or if someone can't have salt because they have a special dietary need, those kinds of pieces, it just makes a difference. Mm -hmm. To just be aware, if you're going to bring over something, to simply double check and ask. Mm -hmm. And not to do it in a snarky way of like, oh, are you one of those people who's vegan now? Or mm -hmm. are you one of those people who's, you know, getting rid of all that salt? But if someone has recently had a heart attack and they've had to mm -hmm. release salt but they don't want to disclose that to you because they're maybe really struggling with that. Or they don't it, want to seem ungrateful. Or they don't want to seem ungrateful. Being able to find kind ways for them to be able to share what kinds of food bring them joy and comfort, to ask them that sort of a question is a kindness. Mm -hmm. And so I know that we all really like to be able to bring over the ham and potato casserole with eight pounds of cheese in it. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to ask before you bring it over, super kind choice. Those are the things I actually miss as I am typically about 2,000 miles away from a lot of these people that I can't just bring over food and I can't just go sit and hold their hand or mm -hmm. give them a simple hug. Yeah. And flowers are something that can be lovely, but are difficult sometimes to manage afterwards. But to contact a family or to watch for the obituary, to offer opportunities to give in lieu of flowers, to give charitable offerings or memorial offerings, do that and let the family know that you've done that. It can feel incredibly empowering to know how the financial gifts are going in memory of a loved one to organizations that really did bring joy to their loved one's heart. And that's really exciting. So you've mentioned how different denominations do different things. There's also regional aspects to this. What have you seen that has changed from where you grew up and what you knew versus what you deal with now? I will say that some of the differences in what I have seen partially have been differences between 
Roman Catholic step family practices mm-hmm. and the wake the day before a burial on the East Coast, I think we had more burials with coffins. Mm-hmm. And I, I think during my ministry here on the West Coast, we've had more urns and cremations mm-hmm. in my ministry. And at the same time, the changes that I see happening around death and dying over these 20 years has been more about an approach to death and dying almost before the death mm-hmm. than after the death. How we gather to honor a death and how we gather to process our grief afterwards hasn't much changed, but it really does vary from family to family. And that's where I say we can give general advice about how to express sympathy, but it is really each individual family. How the Air Force commander expressed grief is so vastly different than how the biker family expressed grief, Mm -hmm. which is so vastly different than how the Swedish mom expressed grief, right? It's just each family is so unique in how they share their emotions that really how you express emotion within your family is how you're going to find a way to grieve and express sympathy within your family. So if you want to find ways to learn how to express sympathy and how to express grief within your family, if you want to learn how to make it less difficult over time, or less difficult for your children or your children's children over time, teaching them how to express grief in all things, in all times, will make it a less difficult process down the road as they get older. Teaching pathways so that it feels less like there are rules and more like there are paths to expressing grief. Mm Mm-hmm is something that we can find ways to create in our families and within our communities. But it takes time to create that. It takes patterns to create that. Finding ways to storytell rather than expecting to know how to sit and say the right things. But if we've always set up spaces where we've had to say the right things in order to get the right responses from our elders, then we're going to expect ourselves to know how to say the right things to get the right response from our elders when they're grieving. And so it's all a dance. It's how our families dance with our emotions. And it's just amped when it comes time for grief. And it's the same kind of amperage, bear in mind, it echoes weddings. Mm-hmm. So if your family has a hard time behaving at weddings, they're going to have a hard time behaving at funerals, too. It makes sense. If you have a drunk uncle that has a difficulty at the wedding receptions, the likelihood is the drunk uncle's going to show up at the funeral receptions, too. So it just is kind of the family dynamic, and that is part and parcel. And the difficulties of all the different pieces that come along that you learn about as you get older, that you learn about how to manage death certificates and how to pack up a house Mm -hmm. and 
how to find out where all the right paperwork has been stored and who is the power of attorney and who's the person who's managing the estate. And all of those pieces become a part of that dance of the emotion. And if you haven't created the grief pathways for the storytelling and the kindnesses, then the rules start to overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And it is just hard. So more than anything, I think when you're trying to find your way, you're not in that immediate epicenter and all the people in that immediate epicenter are dealing with the multiple different levels of all the family expectation and all of the rules and all of the patterns and they're trying to dance the dance and they're trying to get it right and they're trying to do the things that they've been taught for generations of how to be and who to be in the midst of death and all the pieces being as kind to yourself so that when you enter their dance, if you step on toes or when your toes get stepped on, you don't have to like crunch theirs on purpose Mm -hmm. (laughs) in response, (laughs) but you can just take a step back and turn around and look at the people behind you and like, ow. Mm -hmm. And like, go join their dance for a while on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. It's been fascinating in the past couple of weeks. We've gotten to the point where I've talked enough about this subject of death and funerals with you specifically that I'm getting people to put systems in place for some of this, which is great. But we've kind of forgotten about one little component of it in that We don't really ever talk about when you realize that you are at that end, if you are still able to talk, how you talk about your own passing affects those around you. Because that was really hard for my mother to hear other people, including her brother, say. And she didn't even think it was something that people did. Yeah. And I at least have the feeling that well, why wouldn't you want to talk about that and tell people what your wishes are and how you would hope it would go? But we're not definitely not there in this society for that kind of thing yet. Yeah. It's something that more people are learning how to have the conversation, but it is still hard and it is still countercultural to be able to say, this is the kind of death that I want to have. Mm-hmm. And to learn how to be comfortable talking about, I want a death that looks like this. And to not be afraid to speak about it. It's still a ways off. It is. Which leads me to my next question is that people who are trying to express sympathy will often ask the question that the answer seems obvious of, how are you doing? Well, (laughs) of course we're doing terrible what should you be asking? A couple of questions. If you don't want to ask that kind of a question, if you don't want to say, how you doing? Or how's your day going? One question I'd like to fall back on that can sometimes be really helpful is, is there any part of your day you would enjoy sharing with me? Okay. Right. It doesn't have to be a good part of the day. It's just uh, any part of your day you would enjoy sharing with me. Or is there any part of your day that you want to share with me? Because sometimes you can't even enjoy sharing, Mm -hmm. but you would want to share. Like, yeah, I want to share with you that this morning 
I got up and I smelled his closet and it brought joy to, you know, or I cried for an hour, Mm -hmm. but I was comforted. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've wanted to share this story with somebody all day, but I haven't known how to bring it up. Right. So that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Any memory that came up today that you want to share with me? Another one can be, is there a piece of the coming days that you are looking forward to? Okay. That makes sense. And the answer could be no. It could be as simple as going to coffee. It could be going to coffee. It could be seeing a cousin. It could be going to bed. Mm -hmm. It could be clean sheets. Who knows? Whatever. But is there anything in the next week? And give that a solid time period. Don't give it, is there anything you're looking forward to today? Okay. Right. You could give it like a day if they can't see past the day, right? Like you could gauge that if they're in a day by day kind of a space, do a day. But if a day is too short to find hope, then aim it out by a week. Just gauge that. That makes sense. So like those kinds of open-ended questions rather than how are you? I have asked, how's your heart before... Mm -hmm. To a good friend who knows that I'm not asking, how you doing? Mm -hmm. But I'm asking, how's your spirit? How's your soul? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for an an honest, raw answer. But that's for someone that you can go to that raw, honest place with. That if you get an answer like weary Mm -hmm. or exhausted or an emoji or a gif of someone landing on their face, whatever it is, that they don't have to explain it. You're just going to honor it, Mm -hmm. right? But depending upon your relationship, you could go to those kinds of places. This is all going to lead me to my last question. Sympathy cards. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on writing them other than Googling what to write on a sympathy card, which I have (laughs) done recently? (laughs) Trust your heart. Google it. See if you see something. See if something jumps out at you. Also trust that simply writing abiding with you is enough. I found that I've made peace with the fact that it does not need to be a novel. Mm -mm. It can be a very simple, heartfelt expression. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about expressing sympathy. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. My pleasure as well. Thank you all for joining along. It is wonderful to be back with you again. If you have more ideas on expressing sympathy or thoughts, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or email us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.